Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. We're in the business of helping you to be your best self. Click subscribe so we can help you have more money, more success, more love, more laughter, and more time for you. I'm Pia. And I'm Kaya. Now let's get on with this episode. Welcome back to the She's Electric podcast. Today is a very exciting day. I am welcoming back Pia to the podcast. She is going to be joining us back in the hot seat from now on. And to make sure that we've got enough time and space to cover all of the amazing things that she has experienced on this beautiful journey, expanding her family and welcoming in a new child. This is going to be a three-part series talking about motherhood and this next chapter. I'm back. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, First of all, I just want to say a huge thank you to my podcast partner, Kaya, for just hosting some amazing episodes while I was gone. It's so funny, Kaya, because I went from being a co-host to a fan of the show. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. And every week I've, I'm actually doing your planning and your visualization. Um, that's what I'm going to be using when I'm doing my vision board. So uh, I'm actually benefiting so much from this. But so what are we going to do? Um, myself and Kai have decided that there's so much many insights that I've had over the last three months. So early days, motherhood, giving birth, being in the fourth trimester. is It's such an intense period of time you experience the full spectrum of human emotions in such a short a, a short time frame. So I've had some really, really interesting insights um, doing it this time around. Because first time when I had a baby, I wasn't aware of mental fitness. I wasn't aware that I can choose my thoughts. Um, and I, because of that, I've had such a different experience. I haven't just been in the emotion. I've been able to recognize the emotion and, and step above it. And so... With that sort of different experience in mind, I, I want to talk about three things that I've learned and we're going to pace them over three episodes. So today's episode is all going to be about mindset, how my, our mindset shapes our external world. Next week's episode is going to be about energy, how managing our energy helps us to, to manage our mindset. And then the third one is, and I'm really excited for this one, is to talk about how female-led businesses are creating these incredible solutions that address the, the, the female experience, which is something that really has not happened throughout history. So that's what uh, you're you're in for over the next three episodes. I'm so excited to have you back on the pod. <laughs> and I just can't wait to hear about all of these subjects, because as you said, I think you've got a really unique take on it this time around. Yeah, I mean, it's like my intention going into this labor was I'd read the first 40 days and for anybody out there who is pregnant or thinking about being pregnant or even knows people who are pregnant, I would suggest you get the first 40 days. It is a totally different take on how you do things in the fourth trimester or the first 40 days after giving birth. And so I wanted to really, my intention going into this was to go inward, to surrender, to slowing down, to embrace rest and to really just be in, stay in bed, just rest with my baby, not try and do anything, not try and get dressed, none of those things. And so what I've learned from that experience and really not trying to get snap back and get back and have visitors over and do all those things 
what I've learned is that my entire experience in life is shaped by how I manage my internal world. It starts and it ends with me. And for so long, and I think for most people, we think that our experience is, is a direct result of what's happening outside. All these things that happen outside, I would be this if, if this wasn't like this, if I had more money, if I had more this. And what I found was that it's actually, our world is shaped because of how we react to things that are happening to us. And there is no greater experience that really proves this than the experience of labor. So I want to start off by talking about visualization, because for both of my pregnancies, I practiced visualization. And if you are not a believer in, in the power of visualization, just please just have an open mind, listen to what I'm about to say. So for my first birth with Enzo, I it was during COVID and I wanted to make sure that I was in the, the hospital when it wasn't that busy. So I said, I visualized myself going into labor at the weekend when it was less busy and at night when it was less busy. I got into the hospital at 12 o'clock at night. There was very few people there. I got access to the, the labor pool. I had a much gentler, calmer experience because it wasn't as busy and the midwives weren't trying to move me through the system. Um, and then so on my second birth, which I haven't actually said, but I had a little baby boy. I had him at home in a home birth and his name is Rafi. He's very cute. I mean, I'm biased, but yeah, he's he's incredibly cute. But I visualized for this. I said, I want to have as much energy as I can going into this, into my labor. So I said, I want to give birth in the morning after a full night's sleep. And I visualized that happening. I visualized myself waking up, having a, a really nice breakfast and then me going into labor. And that is exactly what happened. I started to get my first contraction at eight in the morning after a full night's sleep, after I had breakfast, after You're my- like, hang on, hang on. It's time. I've got to get the breakfast in. I've got to get the breakfast in. And we had to get Enzo over to his, to my mother-in-law. But it was just a very, very calm and, and relaxed thing. And I, I am so amazed when I visualize things, it's like I'm creating my future and then the future happens. What's your experience, Kaya, with visualization? Because I know you're a big believer in this. I just love listening to you describing that experience and noticing that you were so specific about mm. many of the details down to it's not just in the morning. It's in the morning after I've had breakfast, after Enzo has gone. Yeah. And I think that my experience with visualization is very similar. When you visualize very specific things, when life starts unfolding, it's bizarre. Bizarre, right? You're like, what is happening? <laughs> I created this. Yeah. So it was so important to me because if you guys remember before I went in, before, just towards the end of my pregnancy, I was hyperachiever, absolutely going crazy, mentally flogging myself <laughs> for not getting the house ready in time and all this stuff. So I was exhausted. So this having this energy going in was really, really important. So as I started to go into labor, but it was in a way that I felt I had some control over because I'd visualized it. And as these things started to happen, I it just made me so much calmer because I was like, OK, I know I, it's starting in the morning. I know what's going to happen. I've already mapped this out in my brain and I'd gone really, really specific. 
that the midwives were going to come over and that they were going to get things set up and it was all going to be very calm. And I said, I was going to have my baby within three hours. And so what actually ended up happening is pretty much exactly that. The midwives came into the house. It was all very, very calm. And I gave birth from first contraction to Rafi in my arms was three hours and 22 minutes. So incredibly, incredibly quick, but just like what I had visualized. I am really going to talk about my midwives in in the third episode. I was looked after by this system. It's in in the Irish health system called the Community Midwives. And it is a female led midwife centered level of care for when you're having a baby. Their whole philosophy is around hypnobirthing, natural methods when you're During pregnancy, you know, having a lot of nutrition, it's all, it's very, very holistic. It's an absolutely incredible system. It's something in the Irish health system that actually really, really works. And so when Roisin came in, we were getting things ready and, and, you know, they were setting up gas and air. They were setting up, you know, where I would give birth, all this kind of stuff. And she could see that I, you know, as I was getting the contractions and they were kind of coming in quite thick and quite fast because things weren't moving quickly. And Roshan said, Pia, you were too much in your head. You need to get out of your head. So she said, let's get the birthing ball. So we got out the birthing ball. She said, put on your noise cancelling headphones and put on your eye mask. She said, I need you out of this room and in your body, mm-hmm. not in your head. So the moment she did that, and this is the, the power of when you don't go for a more medicalized, into a medicalized environment and you go into a more holistic environment that is working with our natural, our body's natural processes. What ends up happening is you can just have a much calmer birth. And what I, what I experienced in that moment was absolutely fascinating. So I was getting quite overwhelmed before I had the eye mask on because the contractions were really starting to hurt me. When I closed my eyes and I went, and I went into my body, I could feel the contraction starting to build. And so in that moment, because there was no distractions, I just said, "Okay, I'm going to relax my muscles. And I would say something quite uplifting, like if I relax my mind, I I relax my muscles. And so I would just relax my mind. I'd picture my muscles relaxing and the contraction didn't hurt as much. Now, as I started to build up, I started to get a little bit more overwhelmed. And when I would say things in my mind like, oh, I just don't want this to I just don't I just want to break the contraction would really, really hurt. And when I relaxed and when I, when I said, I would say things like, I can do anything for 60 seconds. I can do anything for 60 seconds. Or I would, at one point (laughs) I was lying over our poof and I was like, I can't do it. And the midwife said, Pia, instead of focusing on what you can't do, why don't you focus on what you can do? And I said, Love her, what a hero. What a hero. They're just, they're, they're such bosses, these women. Like, they, pump they, me up. She's coaching exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> she was coaching me in that moment. And I, and I turned around and I was like, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. And just having those positive words, Ooh. relax my mind, relax my muscles. And I, I, I and made the pain. I, I cannot emphasize how much, when, I, when my mind was calm, the contractions barely hurt. When my mind was overwhelmed and frenzied and worried, they really, really, really hurt. Yeah, it is really, really amazing. I had a similar experience in my birth. I I think I took two paracetamol my whole labor. Mm. And I think what was really interesting actually was that 
I was in a very medicalized environment where people were mm. freaking out all around me. And actually, like having this deep belief, mm-hmm. I knew I'm like, I'm going to push this baby out myself. Like I'm not being induced. Mm-hmm. There was so much pressure for all of this intervention. Even like my mum, whilst she really loves me and she wants the best for me, she didn't have the same vision for my birth that I had. She yeah. was coming from a fear place, wanted me to get to the hospital and all of this stuff. Yeah. And so actually it's 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 really, really interesting because what I'm hearing you say, which is so similar, like it's making me think about my own experience in a different way, is that we know what's right for us but we've got to shut out all of the noise. And a lot of the people who are around you in any situation in life, even if they love you, even if they've got good intentions, they don't know what you need. They don't know. That's why it's so important to be around people who are going to speak up the best in you. That Mm -hmm. midwife who's speaking up your power. Mm -hmm. You know those things and you can find them in yourself, but you need to be around somebody who's going to pull them out not somebody who's like, oh my God, who's freaking out. Like, Absolutely. It's it's just very interesting thing for people to think about. I thought about it in my own experience with grief. I only need to be with people who can understand that I am in love with my life in mm-hmm. spite of what's happened. Yeah, absolutely. I can't be around somebody who's fearful that mm-hmm. like my life is over and my heart is broken and all of these things, right? And it's the same for you. Like, you need to be around these women who know that you can do this. Exactly. And this is why I feel the experience of labor and, and early days motherhood. It's like a microcosm of the wider human experience mm. at large. And so exactly, you are right. So if I was in an environment that felt that you have to be in a hospital, that it's not safe to give birth at home, that would have trickled over into me, into my mindset. I would have gotten worried I would have gotten fearful and then all of the outcomes would have been completely different to what they were so it's being around people who you need to believe in 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 what you're doing you need to believe that this is going to work um yeah it's the people around you and it's also cultivating that ability to shut out the noise because yes. you know I actually was in this medicalized environment and I literally just shut out the noise yeah from this experience you have supercharged that power for yourself yeah, absolutely. Where you know that you can create these experiences. You know that you can control your body. Yeah. You know, yeah. through controlling your mind. And that's going to trickle out into everything. Exactly. This has given me such a belief around what, how my mind is going to control all the results in my life. You know, um, and there was, I was very, very selective in who I told that I was having a home birth because it is something that makes you get a visceral reaction in people and they really feel that you are putting your your baby's life and your life in danger. I didn't <laughs> tell my parents. I didn't tell them until we sh- we sent them a photo of me holding the baby and they were like, why are you at home? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you didn't tell your parents. Sorry, it's just because so funny. I, I, I would have had nine months of them trying to convince me not to because they have my best interests at heart. Yeah, they just have and- a different, their picture is different. Exactly. And so in their belief system and in their experience, having a home birth is a very, very dangerous thing. Um, whereas I, you know, and I said it to my mother afterwards, I was like, do you think that I didn't do research on this? Did you not think that I looked at the data on this? And women who are low risk have better outcomes when they give birth at home because it doesn't spiral down. You don't get that 
all those different stages of interventions where I mean, my midwives only checked me once. They checked me. I was three centimeters. And then 15 minutes later, Rafi was born. You know, it was that was the only check I got. Whereas in a very, very medicalized environment, um, what can end up happening, this is not always the case, but there are a lot of interventions. The woman's not progressing. She's in a, a an unfamiliar environment, so she doesn't feel as calm and, and as relaxed. Um, baby's not progressing so then they break the waters and then they break the waters and the baby's not ready to come out These, this is all a natural process that we need to respect and I, I think that we haven't respected it um, but so there was something absolutely amazing about having given birth and being in my own environment that was just it was something that was so special and one thing I really do want to say is a home birth is not for everybody there was one point Kaya where I had a really really intense contraction it's when my entire body was doubling down I I was in the final stages of of labor and I said to myself oh my god I have no access to pain relief nothing I actually had forgotten that there was gas and air there so I forgot (laughs) to ask for it which was stupid but (laughs) but there was that one moment of panic of fear Um, and that particular contraction was very very painful because I was leaning into fear and so we need to remember is that Oxytocin is a natural, um, it's a natural um, pain medication, basically. It, it's, it stops pain in your body. But oxytocin and adrenaline bind off the same receptor. So if you're in a state of fear and a state of adrenaline, you can't be in a state of calm. You can't have, oxytocin cannot bind to the receptors because the adrenaline has taken its place. So that's why it's so important. And when, when you look at a lot of the hypnobirthing texts and the, the kind of midwife-led texts, they say something which is the birthing environment should almost be as private as the conception environment. And it's, you know, when you think about what happens now, it's bright lights in, in a, a hospital getting checked by people, you know, and even the midwives did ask. They said we have a, a male PhD who was hoping to observe a home birth and and they said would you be willing to have him here they said we wanted to just ask just to see and I thought about it for a while because I'm a huge I wanted to I want to promote home births for people who feel that they want to do that but at the same time I had to think about myself in this and I said that would make me feel uncomfortable to have a, a male observer there watching an environment where I just wanted to let loose and she said that is completely fine that's absolutely fine so that I think would have affected my mindset. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was remembering as you were saying that a lot of the confidence that I had going into my birth came from doing this uh, workshop with my husband, um, with the woman who I did a pregnancy yoga course with. And it it was quite intense. It was like a whole day thing. And one of the things that I remember being wildly informative about the whole experience was that she talked through interventions in so much detail she gave us all of the data which I think is extremely useful for people to have as a context and isn't something that you get anywhere else like I had never had any of this information given to me and then she also talked about what's happening on a hormonal and a chemical level in your body at each stage of pregnancy and you know covering the kinds of things that you were just talking about and because because I went through that experience I felt like I was informed Mm -hmm. when I was going into my own labor now I 
was giving birth three weeks early. If I was 12 hours later, it would be fine. But because of where I was, they were like, you need to have this different pathway, mm-hmm. which makes no sense. Yeah. To me, I'm like, it's 12 hours. This makes no sense. Mm. Um, and the pressure for me to be in this particular pathway that is like a computer says this, like, yeah. Get in a box. Yeah. You're, a, you're a square. Get in the box. Be a square. <laughs> and you're like, but I yeah. want to be. A, I want to be a triangle. Yeah. Um, and it was just so like they were so rigid. Didn't yeah. have any answers to any of my questions. And I think that because I had all this information about once you have one intervention, it's spiraling towards that's it. It's a right? cascade. A cascade of interventions happen. Right. When you know that information, it makes you a lot more like aware of. Mm-hmm. The- every single decision that you're making yeah Yeah. which gives you the power to say no I'm going to go with this one for you know yeah and probably change the outcome of your situation absolutely and the really good example of that is induction so so many women in Ireland and the UK are induced because of that computer says it's 40 weeks to to me induce me yeah and if, if they're inducing you, like Luca's not ready. Rafi yeah. was five days late. Enzo was completely on time. Rafi just wasn't ready to come out until his mother stopped being a crazy person. And once I actually calmed myself down and I, I had a few days of proper rest, that's when Rafi decided to come. Had I induced him in that time, my body wasn't in the right hormonal, it wasn't in the right uh, mental state to give birth to a baby. Yeah, it's really crazy because I think that that's what happened to me. My waters broke and then they were just like obsessed with inducing me. And because this woman had explained, and to be honest with you, she was quite honest, right? Obviously yeah. she's anti-intervention and probably a bit of an extremist, but because she was kind of saying what, what an induction does to your body, it wasn't a light decision. Whereas a lot of people that I've spoken to who've just been going to NCT classes and they've had more of a traditional route they don't have this information they're making Mm. a totally different decision they just think it's like oh I'm going to get induced it's just going to bring on the pregnancy it's it's really just about making sure that people have got knowledge absolutely because what happens during an induction is it overrides the natural flow of how a contraction works so a contraction is always going to be 60 seconds that's roughly how, how long it is and it builds for 15 seconds and then it's quite intense for 30 seconds and then it it um it it wanes for another 15 seconds so actually one thing i kept saying to myself which was keeping me calm was i can do anything for 60 seconds so when you look at it it's only about 20% of the entire labor process is in pain the rest of it is rest but when you get induced you just get pain Pain, 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 pain. There's no flow of the contraction. The contraction is just constant. And so then the woman's mindset, she she gets fearful because of course you'd be fearful in that level of pain for that long is not the natural flow. So then instead of oxytocin taking over, taking over the car, adrenaline takes over the car and cortisol. And then she can't get into a relaxed state. So her muscles tense up, which makes the contractions more painful. And then that's when you get the cascade of different interventions that happen. And so the home birth environment, it's it wasn't just about me wanting to be in my own space. I, I wanted to create to give birth in a place that was going to create the most calm conditions for me so that I could have control of my mind so that I could I could have oxytocin flowing through my body instead of adrenaline. 
I mean, the yumminess of the image of after you give birth, just being able to go upstairs and get into your own bed yeah. and have all of your own stuff around you, do your own like pace routine and everything is so great. It was so bizarre. It was just sitting on my couch <laughs> there with, with some bread that, that I'd baked beforehand. I love and, this story. You've got to share it. Well, I it was just immediately after. Um, so... Stephen went down and he, I had some adventure bread actually that I'd baked. And so he made that with peanut butter and banana on top and the midwives were sitting there and they were having the bread as well. And for them, this is just another day in their lives, but they are such heroes. They were, they were just like, they were just like, yeah, this is just what we do. But the, the funny thing about the midwives is they absolutely love a home birth. So the community midwives, it's, it's, um, woman centered, uh, care but you can do it in a hospital or you can do it at home and they absolutely love a home birth and they say home births are always so calm mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are in control so just sitting there and Stephen beside me and having Raffi in my arms it was just it was such a magic moment and it was beautiful weather outside blue skies and I just remember thinking I was euphoric I was euphoric because I had visualized something. I had created a, a, an idea in my head of what was possible. That had happened pretty much very, very similar to what I had visualized. And because of that, I had a sense of pride afterwards that I had achieved this huge thing, which having that pride sets you up for a much better postpartum period, as opposed to you have a very traumatic birth, you have all these interventions, and then you have adrenaline and cortisol coursing through your body. And that's when postnatal anxiety kicks in after a few days of no sleep and a baby at you. It's a completely different outcome. I really observed the power of my mind in the 40 days after giving birth to Rafi. So your mind can be your biggest asset or it can be your biggest asshole. It can really, really hurt you if if you let it. And if you if you are just in the emotion and not recognizing the emotion and opting to choose something different. So what I'll how I'll explain this is in the first few days after giving birth, I noticed that Rafi was not um, he wasn't feeding very well and he was it was very painful to feed and um, he, he was not sleeping great, essentially because he was hungry um, and I started to develop this, you know, you're tired and you start to develop this mindset that I just have a difficult child. I just have a difficult child. I had this internal dialogue going on that, you know, I have a, a, a difficult child instead of being curious about, okay, so what is going on here? And you need to remember that there are all these different things happening in the bodies. After the placenta comes out, your progesterone and your estrogen levels plummet. So you're having a huge hormonal shift. And then there's this really, really fine balance of hormones that are at play in your body. Yeah. And what we need to remember all the time is that adrenaline and oxytocin are competing for space. They're competing for that receptor. So it's all about managing our mind so that we can create the conditions for oxytocin to thrive. And it was funny because I had a doula who has been looking after me for the last three months. We will cover more of that in a later episode. But she noticed that Rafi was really getting very, um, he was in, seemed to be in pain when he was eating. And it was funny because I had gone on a few days of really, really bad sleep. So my energy was low. And then 
part of the postnatal experience when you look at the first 40 days is you need to eat foods that help your digestion. You can't have foods that are going to be difficult to digest because your body is already going through such an, a huge energetic, uh, so many energetic demands. Um, and because of that, you're in quite a vulnerable state. And it was as soon as my doula said that, what I found was that my mind really started to focus in on all the negative things. All it would see was the fact that Rafi wasn't eating, he wasn't latching properly and then that he wasn't uh, getting enough food. And then whenever he was eating, he was in pain and he was going. Uh, 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 and I, then I started to catastrophize of what was going to happen in the future. And oh, my God, I'm going to have a colicky baby. And la, 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 la. And it just started to spiral down in, in my mind. And that made my external situation so much worse because all I saw was a colicky baby. Mm. And so it was during those times I once I recognized the emotion and that I was in a place of fear and panic, I went, OK, reset. Pia, you need to get out of your head because right now your head is not a safe place to be. You need to be in your body. And it was during those times then that I would really do a lot of meditation. I watching TV, doing things like that. They were just more draining on my brain. And so I just needed to put on my headphones, put on meditation music and really just feel my body. It was just like I can feel my toes. I can feel my left toe. I can feel and I'd go up my entire body. And it was literally just about getting myself away from that internal dialogue of mm. this is happening and this is happening. And, uh, you know, and creating judgments on the external situation that really weren't true. And it was when I did that. And I gave myself food that was, you know, easy to digest. We will cover that in a later episode, believe me, because it's so valuable. And I asked for help, gave Rafi to someone. And I said, I just need to get some sleep. That's when I gave myself the energy to be able to take control of my mind again. Beautiful. I love the word that you said there, which was like judgment, just like judging the situation and everything around you. Because in any context or any situation that we're in, if you are having a birth, and you do have to have intervention, it's the same thing. You don't mm -hmm. need to judge the situation. Like that's just what's happening. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that something else is going to happen down the line. All of the judgment is the opposite to being present to just what's going on right now. And it's like, you mentioned the word curiosity. It's the same thing. We can't be curious when we're judging. Yeah, that, that's it. And and we we go on to do this so much in our our wider lives, not just during pregnancy. It's... A child acts up and we'd say he's a bad child or I have a difficult child or my child is a bad sleeper or yeah, it's all judgment. It's, it's literally like so much, so many judgments. I hear parents doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. They label their children. You're literally just judging your child and giving them a label. Exactly. And once you give something a label like that, that's all you see. When I was saying, oh, my God, do I have a colicky baby? All I saw were colicky symptoms. And when I actually got into that state of curiosity, and I called the midwives. I said, look, he's not he's not latching. Can you please come? And they did. And they they we looked at it and she said, I think he has a tongue tie. And then I was able to address it. I was able to go. We had to get his tongue ties. He had a 75 percent tongue tie. We got it snipped. And since then, his feeding has been incredible. And but what it's also done is made me go, don't judge the situation. Don't let your mind take over and start catastrophizing. Exercise the curiosity and go, okay, what's happening here? Let's take a moment, get rise above the emotion and go, what, what emotion do I want to feel right now? What do I want to choose instead of this judgment? 
Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And you're talking about it in terms of your own mind. And it becomes super, super interesting when we start to look at what's happening all over, all around us. Mm. Because somebody comes in in a bad mood and we make a judgment about what it's mm-hmm. about. Yeah. We're constantly making judgments. And curiosity is not only is it more interesting, it leads mm-hmm. to very different outcomes. That's it exactly. And that's how our internal world is shaping our external world because it it cascades into something completely different differently thinking of that colleague they come in they sit down they're in a bad mood over something and you start to create a story around what that is around your involvement in it they're angry at me and then that leads to a bad interaction between the two of you and it all spirals down and what I'm saying is that we have the choice to to choose um to choose beliefs about things that will help the situation to spiral up. And in the case of of early days, you know, postpartum, when I was curious and when I was able to go, okay, how are we going to solve this? And not just accepting that I have a colicky baby, because I think too often that is what is placed on mothers, that this is just the way your baby is. And I didn't accept that. So something that I, I want people to, or I invite you to, exercise at home is when our mind makes a judgment about it it's about catching the fact in that moment that you are making a judgment that you are saying that this this is bad or this this is just the way things is I think too often we accept things for just this is just how it is and what I invite you to do is to actually turn it on its head and and say to yourself what if the opposite were true what if he doesn't have colic. What, my most recent challenge that I've really had to manage my mindset on is my milk supply. I have had periods of having quite low milk supply. Now, the initial narrative I had was I am just someone who has a low milk supply. That is who I am. Um, and thankfully, because of the work through my doula, female-led business, addressing a female-led problem or a female a problem of the female experience, she has been able to show me that that is not true, um, that you can turn things around. But first, the first place that that is going to happen is in your mind. Before you can start to address things in the external world, you have to make the decision in your mind and get away from this judgment that this is the way that it is. Amen to that. So to everybody at home, Kai and I would like to ask you, how are you managing your internal world? If like us, you believe that what happens in your mind or what happens in your external world is a direct result of how you are managing your internal world, we ask you, what are you doing today to help your mindset? What are you doing to recognize that you're in the emotion of judgment and how are you moving yourself over to curiosity? Thank you for giving us your time. Did you know that you could change someone's day to day just by sharing this episode? Our mission is to help women. We all want more money, more success, more love, more laughter and more time for ourselves. Women Helping Women is how we're going to get there.